Well, today is a very exciting day. If you are a guest uh, to Faith Lutheran Church, we are especially glad that you are here. Um, the, the topic of our sermon is a little bit dicey. I've never preached on this topic in 25 years of ministry before, so uh, bear with me if it's a, a little rough this morning. Um, but I am going to invite you to go to uh, the Gospel of Luke, um, and we're going to spend some time in both Ezekiel and Isaiah. And I asked Jeff to put all three texts in the uh, the bulletin this morning in your worship um, paper that you received um, uh, because there's a little bit of explanation. So I'm not going to apologize, but I'm just saying uh, we're going to spend a lot of time in Scripture this morning uh, because the world has a whole lot to say uh, about this particular topic. And, uh, you know, while we certainly care about the, what the world says, we don't follow the ways of the world. Uh, we follow God's Word, Scripture. And so that's where we're going to be this morning, is in Luke 10 primarily, uh, but then also we're going to spend some extensive time in Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14. Uh, as Jeff said at the top of the service this morning, uh, all summer long, uh, you all have created the sermon series. It's called Good Question. And the big idea of this sermon series is that as we read through God's Word together, cover to cover, Genesis through Revelation, uh, some questions are bubbling to the surface. And so we are trying to address some of these questions uh, throughout the summer months. And uh, nobody did ask this question, uh, but last weekend, since we talked about angels, I thought we needed to also talk about demons. Um, so this morning, we are going to talk about demons, evil, Satan, and all that good stuff. So just kind of, there's your warning. Um, uh, we, uh, we need to be paying attention uh, to all the players uh, on the field uh, as it relates to this particular topic. Uh, this is probably our least favorite topic to talk about, and uh, probably for good reason. Uh, most of us don't quite know what to do uh, with uh, evil, with demons, and, and certainly with Satan. Um, I recently ran across a, a Gallup poll that said 89% of Americans believe in God. However, only 61% of, uh, of Americans believe in the devil. So 90% of Americans believe in God, uh, but only uh, uh, two-thirds, 60%, believe in the devil. Now, what's interesting uh, about that poll is they kind of broke it down even more. So of the 60% of the people who said, yep, I believe in the devil, only about half, only about half of that 60% believe in a literal devil, in a literal Satan. The others just said, well, it's just an idea. It's just a concept. Uh, evil is just a thing. It's not really a person or a being. And I have to tell you, uh, this concerns me a bit, uh, that we treat uh, evil and the devil and the demons as something as simply an idea or a concept. Uh, uh, and so this morning, we are going to look at what God's word uh, says about uh, wh uh, who, who Satan is and who the demons are. Oftentimes, we really think about uh, uh, the devil or Satan uh, as almost a cartoon, um, when I was a kid, I watched Looney Tunes. And I remember, even as a kid, uh, there was a devil character. You know, maybe you remember this too, where uh, Elmer Fudd does something he wasn't supposed to do. So he ends up in this fiery place. 
And this is how we kind of treat the devil as a cartoon, uh, as a caricature, if you will. Uh, this guy in red satin pajamas, right? And he's got horns and a pitchfork. And this is silliness. Uh, this is nonsense. Uh, this is uh, pop culture, Hollywood, uh, trying to uh, take a very serious topic and do something with it. And of course, we just kind of chuckle and go, ha, 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 isn't that? funny. Uh, maybe you remember a couple years ago, Saturday Night Live uh, did some sketches with the devil. And again, lots of silliness, pitchfork, horns, you know, and all that uh, crazy stuff. Other times we think about the devil. Well, the devil was just kind of created by parents to scare their kids, right? To do things, to guilt them, to shame them. Uh, but come on. The devil isn't real. The devil is just a fairy tale. And so these are some of uh, kind of the ideas or, or uh, thoughts in our culture. And it's even made it into our, our food choices, right? So we talk about things like devil's food cake or deviled eggs or deviled ham. And we think, oh, I kind of like those things. Those are pretty good to eat. Um, what's up with, you know, adding devil to those particular foods? I have no idea. Um, some of you might know how devil made it into some of these foods, um, probably because they're just like really good or something. I'm not exactly sure. Um, so, and then it's also, of course, made it into our, our music, into our songs, into some of our uh, singing. So, you might be familiar with Devil in the Deep Blue Sea. A devil with the dread, red dress on. Run, devil, run. And uh, the song that I used to hear a lot uh, a few years ago when we lived in the South, The Devil Went Down to Georgia. And I got to tell you, when we lived in Atlanta, Georgia, the month of August felt like hell, right? It was just hot. And so I get that song at kind of a, a silly level. But we kind of write these songs and we kind of laugh, oh, the devil, and uh, isn't that funny, isn't that silly, and the devil went down to Georgia and all that. So this morning, uh, we're going to kind of put all that on the shelf, uh, and we are going to uh, look at what God's Word has to say. Uh, so that's my intro. I hope I've given you enough time uh, to get to uh, Luke 10. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this beautiful, amazing, glorious morning that you have given to us to worship you. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, for uh, the ways in which you give us answers about so many questions that we have about life, about our own lives, the creation of the world, and certainly about this particular topic. And so, God, um, you don't want us to be uh, naive. You don't want us to be ignorant. Uh, Lord, you want us to be wise and uh, uh, pay, paying attention. So, God, help us to lean forward uh, this morning as we are paying attention and listening to your word. Not to my words, uh, but to your words. God, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, uh, be acceptable in your sight. For you are indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Luke uh, 10, 17 is where we're going to go. And if you've got your Bibles, uh, you might want to just write in the margins, seven facts about the devil. Seven facts about the devil and demons. Seven facts about the devil, demons, and the evil all around us in this world. Let me give you a little context before we uh, read this particular story. Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem. 
And Jesus sends his disciples up ahead to say, guys, I want you to go scout things out. I want you to go into the villages up ahead of me and share with people about the kingdom of God. And I want you to really get a pulse and see, see what's going on as we are talking about the kingdom of God is coming. See how open, how receptive people in the villages are. Guys, go up ahead, check things out. And when I say disciples, oftentimes we think of the 12, right? Jesus had a lot of disciples. So in this particular point in time of his ministry, there were 70 or 72, depending on your Bible translation. Mine says 72, so we're going to go with that number. So 72 disciples uh, go out ahead. They scope things out. They start talking about the kingdom of God, that the Messiah is getting ready to come on the scene and to to receive him. And this is what uh, is going on. Uh, They're going in two by twos, and then they return Luke 10, verse 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Fact number one, Satan is real. The devil is real. Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, not metaphorically, Literally, Jesus believed and saw with his own eyes that Satan, the devil, is real. Furthermore, the disciples said, hey, Jesus, even the demons submit to us in your name. The disciples also believe in a real, literal Satan and the demons. So they they believe that uh, according to scripture, that this whole idea of demons and Satan and evil, it's not just a concept, but they are real. So what other evidence do we have that Satan, evil, is real in the world? I think the first piece of evidence that we have is just kind of philosophically or logically. We believe that God is a God who created the world, that God is good, that God is loving, that God is faithful, and out of God's greatness, he created all that we see and all that we experience, including you. And so how do we jive that uh, with the sin, the brokenness, the hurt, the pain, the suffering that we see in the world? Only logically can we see or, or come to the conclusion that if God is good, how do we explain all this evil in the world and in the evil in our own lives? There is an adversary. There is someone who is pushing back against God's goodness and God's love in the world. So philosophically, I think uh, we can easily come to this place, this conclusion uh, that the devil is real. Second uh, way that we can kind of come to this idea uh, is the biblically. 54 times the word Satan shows up in the Bible. Satan uh, means accuser. Throughout scripture, over and over, we see this word Satan and also the word devil. 35 words, 35 times the word devil shows up in the New Testament. Diablos, maybe you've heard that in the Greek. means one who accuses an adversary. 
Other times, words that show up in Scripture, the evil one, the wicked one, the destroyer. And in some of your uh, Bible versions, the devil even has a name. His name is Lucifer. You've heard this before, and we're going to get there in just a moment. Evil is not talked about in Scripture. It's just this idea that is out there. Rather, evil is in the person of the demons and of this being, Satan and the devil. And we're going to see this over and over and over. And the devil is referred to with pronouns, he, himself, and him. The devil is not referred to as an it. God is not confused about pronouns. We've talked about this before. God understands that Satan, the devil, the evil one, is a person. He, himself, him. Not just this nebulous theory of it, evil, is out there somewhere, but an actual being. Jesus said in our reading this morning, I saw Satan. Jesus, from his very lips, said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I think that is some of the best evidence from Scripture. Jesus says, yeah, I was there. I saw it and how it all happened. In fact, we learn in Scripture that this is the very reason why Jesus came to earth. Not to defeat some concept called evil, but to defeat a being called Satan. And this is what John, the apostle, writes in 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. This is why Jesus had to come to earth, to destroy all the bad things the devil had done. Jesus believed in the devil. The disciples believed in the devil. John uh, believed in the devil. Peter, James, the apostle Paul believed in the devil. The the entire New Testament is filled with this language, this teaching about the devil, about Satan. And so for us to be, be like, I believe in God, I just don't believe in the devil. That is to make a mockery of Scripture. We don't have a choice according to Scripture. According to God's word, the Bible, there is a God and he's got angels working for us and there is a devil and there are demons all around us and we have to accept it all because it is in God's word over and over again. And I think the third reason uh, why, you know, uh, I want to suggest this morning that the devil is real is because experientially we know this to be true. The uh, great uh, preacher, D.L. Moody, once said this, I believe Satan exists for two reasons. First, because the Bible says so. And second, because I've done business with him. And I would argue so of you. Right? We read about Satan, Satan in Scripture, but I think all of us could point to those places, those times in our lives where we have done business with the enemy, with the demons all around us and fought against the forces of evil. So number one, fact number one, the devil is real. Fact number two, Satan is magnificent. Do I have your attention? Some of you are wondering, who is that guy up there? Satan is magnificent. I think to at least be accurate, we'd have to say Satan was magnificent. 
as we look in scripture and we are told, who is Satan? Who is the devil? Once upon a time, the devil was the most beautiful, extraordinary creation of God's making. God created the devil, but before he was the devil, he was an angel. And so I'm going to invite us uh, to look at this particular text in the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, and we're going to look in verse 12. This is what Ezekiel, the prophet, writes, uh, Ezekiel 28, 12 writes, describing who is this being. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You know, when we think about Satan, we tend to think of this ugly person, half man, half beast, right? But that's not how the Bible describes the devil. A beautiful creation, full of wisdom and beauty. You know, in Scripture, three angels are mentioned, Lucifer, Gabriel, and Michael. Only Lucifer is described as beautiful, Isn't that interesting? Verse 13, you were in Eden, the garden of God. We know that, right? You've read the beginning of the story. Every precious stone adorned you. Carnelian, chrysolite, emerald, onyx, jasper, lapis, lazuli, turquoise, and beryl. I don't know what all this means. A bunch of stones are kind of describing uh, how Satan was adorned. Your timbrels and pipes were made of gold. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I adorned you. And so in this text, what Ezekiel is telling us is that there was Satan, there was the devil in heaven. Your timbrels and pipes were made of gold. Timbrels and pipes are are instruments. They're musical instruments. Furthermore, uh, he says you were a guardian cherub. And as I talked about with the angels last week, we talked about the kinds of angels. Cherubs are musicians, right? And so what Ezekiel is telling us uh, in this particular passage is that Satan, the devil, was a musician. He was a cherub. And he had these instruments. And he was around the throne of God. And once upon a time, he was worshiping God. He was the most glorious of all God's creations. For so I ordained you. He was the choir director. He was the band leader. He was the worship leader. And he had a position of power and authority. He was beautiful and he made great music. Continuing. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created. Do you hear this? Just this imagery, this picture that uh, is being painted. This angel on the holy mount of God. You were created till wickedness was found in you. Satan, you were an amazing angel. You were beautiful. You were smart. You were wise. Until you weren't. Verse 16. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. And you sinned. Ezekiel describes it this way. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you, guardian uh, cherub, from among the fiery stones. 
Remember what Jesus said in Luke 10? I saw Satan fall like lightning. This is exactly what Ezekiel is describing hundreds of years before. And then Ezekiel explains why. What happened to this angel? Verse 17, your heart became proud on account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before the kings. And so the most wise, beautiful angel that God ever created became full of pride and God threw him out of heaven. The devil is real. Number two, the devil is magnificent. Number three, the devil made a foolish choice. Now this is hard for us to understand because of all the creatures, of all the creations, uh, Satan was the most beautiful and the most wise, kind of God's golden achievement. God said, man, you are so good. You are such an amazing angel. But the devil made a choice, a foolish choice to rebel against God. I mean, Satan's got a good gig up until this point in time. He's second in command only after God. That's a good gig. Why in the world would he choose to do something else? But we read about this, and I'm going to invite you to go over to Isaiah 14, because the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, he's going to describe this choice. What happened? Isaiah 14, beginning with verse 12. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who were once laid low, uh, the nations. Verse 13, you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. You hear this five times. Satan says, this is what I'm going to do. God, I don't care about what you want me to do. I'm going to place myself above your will. This is the definition of sin. God has a will for all of us, including Satan and all the angels. And in that moment, Satan made a choice. He said, God, I don't care about your, uh, how, what you want, what your will is for my life. I will. I want to move up and I want to be next to you. Because his heart was so filled with pride. I'm going to put my will above your will. Satan made a foolish choice. The devil is real. The devil is magnificent. The devil made a foolish choice. Number four, the devil is not the opposite of God. The devil is not the opposite of God. Sometimes we think that uh, the devil and God are like in this uh, celestial boxing ring, if you will. Ladies and gentlemen, in this corner is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And in this corner is Lucifer, Satan, the devil. And they're going to duke it out in the ring. This is not how this works. If it were to happen that way, this is about what happened. Uh, Jesus would allow Satan to take a whole bunch of punches at him. Boom, block, boom, block, boom, block, boom, block. And it would go on and on and on. And Jesus would stand there. And he would look at Satan and say, punch. Satan would go down to the ground. 
the referee would go over and say, he's dead. See, they're not equal. God created Satan. He's a creation. God existed from eternity past and exists into eternity future. God and Satan are not equal. There is not a level playing field. Satan is not omnipotent. He is not all-powerful. Satan is actually very limited in his power. You might remember in the Old Testament story of Job, and I know many of you are in the Old Testament of Job right now, you're reading through that. Remember when Satan comes to God, he has to ask God permission. Hey God, would it be okay if I kind of messed with Job down there? And for some reason that I don't understand, God gave Satan permission. Satan could not mess with Job without the permission of God. He's limited. There's only so much he can do with his power. Any power that Satan has, it has been, been granted to him from God. And he's limited and he can only do uh, when God gives him permission to do what he does. Then maybe you remember the story in the New Testament where Jesus is coming along and there's a demon-possessed man. Remember that story? And then and, and, and there's this conversation that's going back and forth. And all of a sudden the demons start speaking to Jesus because they're kind of freaked out out. And, and so the demons look at Jesus and it says in Luke 8, the demons begged Jesus saying, if you are going to cast us out, could you send us into that herd of pigs? And Jesus said, sure, I'll grant you that. Go. Jesus had to give those demons permission to go. If Jesus said, no, you got to stay in that man, they would have had to stay in that man. But they, Jesus cast them out because they, they could only do that with his permission. You know, as we look uh, in Luke 10, uh, again, this is the the disciples, these 72 come back and they're, they're excited. They say, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. In this text of Luke, they're so excited We've got power over the demons. Jesus is like, I know, because you're my followers. And the demons can only do what the demons do when they are given permission. Tertullian, one of the church fathers, he explained uh, the, 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 the devil like this as it relates to his power. He said, Satan is God's monkey. You know how monkeys try and mimic or act like human beings or or do what people do? He said, no, he's just God's monkey. He's just playing around. He's just pretending. He wants people to think that he actually has as much power as God. He doesn't. He is limited in every single way. He's not omnipotent. He's also not omnipresent. The devil is limited spatially. He can't be everywhere all the time like God. He can only be in certain places at certain times. And he's also not omniscient. He's not all-knowing. He doesn't know the future. Now, there are demons around us all the time, taking notes, paying attention to what's going on in our lives. They can know our past, but the demons, Satan cannot know the future. But God knows the future because he's in the future. He's present already in the future. To be clear, 
Satan is not equal with God. The devil is real. The devil is magnificent. The devil made a foolish choice. The devil is not the opposite of God. Number five, the devil is highly organized. The devil is highly organized. When he rebelled against God, he got together a bunch of other demons to go with him. He staged a coup. He staged a rebellion against God in heaven. And in Revelation 24, it describes this this coup, this rebellion. Revelation 12, 4 says this. There was an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. And then the disciple John goes on to explain these third of stars that came out of the sky, that they were actually angels. And then he continues on in Revelation 12, verse 9. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So that's what happened. Satan rebelled against God. And Satan, he's a good organizer. And he brought all the the demons with him. A third of all the angels of heaven came with him to the earth. So there's a lot of demons running around. And I know that can freak some people out. There's demons everywhere, right? And there are. But do the math. Two-thirds of the angels are still with God on God's side. The demons are outnumbered two to one by the angels. So you can either focus on the demons all around us, or you can focus on God's angels all around us. And we talked about that last week. The angels watching over you, protecting you, going to battle for you. And I think it's important for us to be aware the demons and the battle going on all around us. But I think we need to focus on the angels, those celestial beings that are fighting for us, protecting us, and watching us. This is what the Apostle Paul writes uh, in Ephesians 6. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, uh, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Folks, there's battle going on all around us. And the angels are going to battle for us. And we ought to be grateful for that. The devil is real. The devil is magnificent. The devil made a foolish choice. The devil is not the opposite of God. The devil is highly organized. The devil has an agenda and a method. The devil has an agenda. He's got a mission statement, if you will, and we're told what his mission statement is in John 10, that he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his agenda. That's his purpose. Kill, steal, uh, and destroy your joy. Kill, steal, destroy your marriage. Kill, steal, uh, destroy your relationships. Kill, steal, 
destroy your love for God's word. Kill, steal, destroy your relationship with other people in the church. Kill, steal, destroy your urgency for sharing the gospel with other people. Kill, steal, destroy the assurance that you have that your salvation cannot be taken. Do you hear where I'm coming from here? He's got an agenda. He wants to kill you. He wants to steal from you. And he wants to destroy you at every level in your life. You got to know what that's, that's his agenda. That's his purpose. That's his mission statement. That's what he is trying to do on this earth until Jesus comes again. And he's got some pretty good methods. And the most common method that he uses is he's sneaky. Jesus calls him a thief. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. You know, oftentimes when we think about someone uh, who like is going to rob us, they walk up to us with a gun or, or whatever, a weapon, and say, hey, give me your money, right? That's a robber. Everything is out in the open, but not a thief. A thief comes in and they do it very sneaky, very sly. They come to your home when nobody's home or when everybody's asleep, when nobody is uh, expecting it at all. A couple weeks ago, uh, our boys were in Greece, and they were on the subway, on the train. And as they were standing on this packed train, uh, all of a sudden, uh, one of my kids was uh, uh, tried an attempted pickpocket, right? And he didn't really see it coming. But fortunately, there were others in their group who saw it happen and slapped this guy's hand away. Because that's what the thief does, is they're very sneaky. They just kind of go, hey, look over there. And they pull out your wallet or your phone or whatever they want to grab. And this is what Satan does and his demons do, is they are very sneaky. They attack when you're not paying attention, when you've let your guard down. But they're not only sneaky, but they lie. They lie a lot. We think back to the very first lie in Scripture in Genesis 3. When Satan came to Adam and Eve and said, hey, did God really say you're not supposed to eat the fruit from that tree? Come on. I don't think he said exactly that. But Satan always takes a little bit of truth, twists it into a lie, and then gets people to sin. And of course, that's what Adam and Eve did is they believed in the lie. They believed in the sneakiness of that serpent, of that snake. And we see this over and over throughout scripture. Whenever Satan and the demons are going after someone, they always throw out a little bit of truth and they twist it a little bit and then they lie to their face. And people are like, oh, oh yeah, I guess you're right. That must be true. Maybe you remember the time in Matthew 4 where Jesus goes out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Three times the devil looks at Jesus and, and he quotes scripture and then he throws in a little bit of a lie. And Jesus says, Satan, you're lying. Get behind me. Go away. You're lying. This is the methodology of the devil and his demons. They're sneaky and they lie. What language do they speak? Sneak and liar. That's how they roll. That's what they do. And I share these things with you not to make you paranoid or afraid, but you need to be aware of the methodology of Satan and all of his demons. You know, sometimes people will say, well, the devil made me do it. Nope. The devil can't make you do anything. They sneak around, they lie, 
and they tempt you. That's what the devil does, is the devil can tempt you, but the devil cannot make you do anything. They can hold a Krispy Kreme donut in front of your face. Doesn't this look good? Come on. Church, Sunday morning, the calories don't count, right? They dangle the temptation in front of you. Say, come on. Give it a try. Give it a whirl. It's not so bad. It's just sin. Sneaky. They lie. And the devil can tempt you. All right. The devil is real. The devil is magnificent. The devil made a foolish choice. The devil is not the opposite of God. The devil is highly organized. The devil has an agenda and a methodology. Number seven, the devil and the demons have been defeated. The devil and the demons have been defeated. This is good news, folks. I intentionally did this as number seven because we need to end on a positive note When Jesus Christ hung on the cross, I can about imagine there was Satan and the demons going, we won! Jesus is dead. We killed him. The people, they hung him on a cross. And for three days, the devil and the demons held a party. We won! And then Jesus walked out of the grave three days later and said, no, actually, you lost. You're defeated once and for all. That's what you need to hear most of all this morning as it relates to all these things regarding the devil and the demons. They lost the battle. Satan is a loser. He lost. He lost the battle. And this is why we gather each and every week Paul writes this in Colossians 2.15. In this way, Jesus disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on a cross. Satan cannot take away your salvation. Satan cannot separate you from God no matter what. Oh, he's powerful, but he cannot separate you from the love of God. Paul wrote this in Romans 8:38. For I am convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor I'm almost done. I'm going to read that again because I think it's worth amplifying to the community. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 8, 38, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can we say amen? Amen. That's good news. So we've talked a lot about demons and Satan and Lucifer and all these horrible things that exist today. But we got to know that in the end, Jesus wins. Jesus has conquered. 
and people of faith Lutheran, what you also need to know is you have the weapons to go to battle against the demons and against Satan. You've got the tool of Scripture. This is how we go to battle against Satan. You have got the tool, the weapon of the church, people all around us who gather on Sunday mornings in small groups, people who are calling one another, praying for one another. This is how we go to battle against Satan. We also go against, uh, to battle against Satan through our worship on Sunday mornings. We sing hymns of praise to God. That's what we do. And you don't have to just worship God or go to battle here on Sunday morning, but in your car at your house. If you like to listen to praise and worship music, do that at your house. Do that in your car and know that you are going to battle against Satan and the demons. If you like hymns and the great uh, songs of the church that have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, put on a CD, listen to the radio, go to battle against Satan. You can do that anytime. This is how we fight our battles, is we fight our battles against Satan and the demons through our worship, through our singing, through reading God's word, through the church, uh, through the gathering together. And I want to remind you what we just read a few moments ago in Luke 10, which the words of Jesus in verse 19, I have given you authority. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the powers of the enemy. Nothing can harm you. You've been giving, given authority to conquer the demons, even Satan in your life. You got to know that. You got to hear that. If you're in Christ, you have authority. This comes from the words of Jesus' mouth. You can beat back the devil and all the forces. The battle still rages. Until Jesus Christ comes again, the battle's going to rage on. So it doesn't just happen. So Jesus has won the war, but the battle still rages. And until Jesus comes back, we are called to fight that spiritual battle in our own lives, and in this world. And I, again, I want to remind you once again, you don't fight this battle alone. You do it with God's Word. You do it through God's people. You do it through the praises of your voice and singing to God. And you most certainly do, the, do it through the authority of Jesus Christ. And you've got two-thirds of the angels go into battle for you, protecting you, fighting over and over. I think that's good news. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that in the end, uh, you win. God, you have already won. Jesus, when you died on that cross, you won the war. And yet, Lord, we live in a world that is filled with battle, that is filled with evil, that is filled with demons and Satan all around us. And so God, remind us day by day, moment by moment, that you are going for bat to battle for us and your angels are all around us. Lord, help us to be wise. Help us to be paying attention to the lies, the sneakiness, and the ways, Lord, in which the enemy wants to kill destroy and defeat us. Lord, help us to focus on your infinite power, your omnipotence, your omniscience, and your omnipresence all around. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer.